This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Oh, hell yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the most listened to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. And, of course, we're talking about 103.7 The Game. And, as always, I am coming to you live inside the palatial, the wonderful, the delightful Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! Absolutely right. We are looking good. We're feeling good on this Saturday morning because guess what? We got a lot of things to talk about, especially when it comes to the NFL draft. A lot of great things happened yesterday. And I'm going to get to all that in throughout this program, throughout the next two hours or so. We've got a couple guests confirmed in pin, in stone. These bad boys are etched in stone. And, of course, we're talking about our guy Ross Jackson will be joining the program at 1130. Aaron McMahon going to be talking a little bit of Cesar Ruiz. Aaron McMahon, part of M Live, the Ann Arbor News. He covers Michigan football really, really well. He's a former Central Michigan grad, so we're going to be talking to him about what's going on with Cesar Ruiz, the Saints' first-round draft pick. They kind of threw some of us off guard, but really cool stuff nonetheless. Right now, I've got planned for 10-15 a special guest, Larry Hansgen, or Hansgen. I'm going to have to try and figure out, hit him up, but I'm still trying to find out a hard time he can come on the program. I originally had him inked in for 10-15, then had to put some white out on it. Looks like potentially 11-15. He'll be joining the program to talk about the Saints' third-round draft pick, the other one that everybody's kind of been talking about, Adam Troutman out of Dayton, the first Dayton flyer to be picked in over 40 years in the NFL draft. It's amazing. Dayton had been having one hell of a year Probably would have had a really good run in the NCAA tournament, but that's a different conversation for a different day. I'm just excited about what's going on with the NFL draft. There's some thoughts I have about a lot of different guys, and I think everybody wants to kind of know what's causing all this. So let's get to it right now. Waste little time and get right to it. The Saints only had three picks in this. They had a handful of picks in this draft. It was more towards day three, the days whenever you typically are going to be taking a flyer on a guy that might not necessarily pan out. I think you definitely look up and down that list of the history of the NFL draft and see a lot of guys that did not pan out in those second and third rounds. Or should I say the fifth, sixth, and seventh. Once you get towards that edge, like you have to be really, really good and be a true value guy to be snatched up like that. So I think the Saints made the right decision. When it comes down to it, they need to make sure that they have enough guys ready to go. They've got it. They pretty much got a 53-man roster largely in place. I think they've got a couple guys they might wind up getting rid of 
after the draft, unless they wind up somehow some way trading some of those guys. It'd be wild to see them do that, especially heading into day number three of the NFL draft, but it's definitely going to be something worth talking about. But with the, let's look at the Saints picks that they had over the last two days and likely could be their only picks because, as you heard in the two-minute drill, you've got our guy Mickey Loomis saying he's wanting quantity over quality, or quality over quantity, excuse me, flipping the script, strike that, reverse it. And it's the right way to go about it when it comes down to it is you need to get some really quality guys to be there rather than draft like 10, 15 guys and probably seven or eight of them might not even make the 53-man roster because they're not that good. So I think at the end of the day, getting this is absolutely huge, and they traded up twice in the third round. I'll get to those third-round picks in a minute. But the one I want to spend a good chunk of time on was Cesar Ruiz. I was not a fan of this right out of the jump because it just felt like it was going to be a big reach. The guy, a center, whatever you could have gotten, a really good defensive back, a safety, even a linebacker. Kenneth Murray was taken off the board, but there were still some solid guys you could have gotten with 24 overall. Thanks a lot of Los Angeles Chargers. But they wound up going with a safety pick, a safety school, if you will, when you think about it, and going with the top center in this draft. And I was immediately texting my people, and it was like, who the hell is this? What is going on? This is I don't like this. What is going on? Not happy. But I started to think about it, sort of let, let it sink in about this. And then you remember, the Saints weren't that great when it comes to like a like offensive line. Like they they looked good throughout the year, but trust me, they were like outclassed in a lot of ball games. The Rams one comes to mind and the last game of the year when they took on the Minnesota Vikings, that one definitely springs to mind. So at the end of the day, this was the right decision to make for the New Orleans Saints. It may not have been the sexy pick I think a lot of people wanted. I think that was a big reason why a lot of us, including myself, admittedly, I think we weren't a fan of the pick. It was definitely not the way we expected things to go with the 24th overall pick. I had him going Grant Delpit. Grant Delpit wanted him going a little bit later. I'll talk about that in a little while. Again, we're going to try to find out if we can get our guy on the program at 10:15. If not, you know, we'll 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 put him in for 11:15, and that'll be the game hotline. It will be open 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you want to talk about the NFL draft, what the Saints did, were you a fan, more importantly, were you a fan of the Saints trading twice in the third round? Because I think all of us were thinking they were going to wind up trading up into the second round and kind of just staying pat in the third round. But they wound up trading up twice and giving up all their other picks for that second one again for the Minnesota Vikings trade to get that guy, Adam Troutman, late in that third round. When it comes to the pick that they made in the first one, when they got Zach Bond, a hell of a pick out of Wisconsin, they gave up a little bit for it. They had to give up the third-round pick for this year and then also gave up their one of their third-round picks for next year. Don't forget, the Saints are supposed to get a compensatory pick for Teddy Two Gloves, so that winds up explaining why they gave up that third-round pick. Because they already had one kind of in the chamber, and I like the idea of that. It's a great strategy, and I think that's the way this Saints team is going to go. 
And getting a guy like Zach Bond, linebacker out of Wisconsin, one of the top linebackers in this draft class, it was absolutely huge and absolutely crucial. It may not be the sexiest name on the list, but trust me, it is well worth it. And I can't wait to see what's going to happen with the Saints pick at that first third-round pick. The second third-round pick was much more interesting because, again, Adam Troutman tied in out of Dayton. First time in 40-something years a Dayton player was even drafted. It makes you wonder why they wound up going that route. I think that was a smart idea because I think, just going to say it, you could have possibly one of the most like devastating like tight end positions in the league. You have Jared Cook, and now you have a guy that maybe people were saying could be the next George Kittle. I was seeing some highlight videos last night, late last night, while doing some research on him. People are saying this guy could very well be the next coming of George Kittle. I know George Kittle's still in the league, but there's a lot of similarities. And I think that's the way things are going to go. And that'd be absolutely huge to have a guy like that to be a compliment to what we see with Jared Cook. Jared Cook, I think for a good chunk of last season, it took him a while to get used to it and get into the rhythm with this team, but he was able to step his game up and look really good throughout the regular season. And he... It, it was step-by-step, step, but he got there, and he finally was able to kind of get over that hump, and I can't wait. I, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen with these guys because it's a three-guy draft class. A couple years ago, you drafted like seven guys, and three of them only made the roster. Three of them only stuck around, one of those being Alvin Kamara. It's just like you have a couple years ago, you gave up a lot of stuff. You, you sacrificed a lot to be able to set up a big year for the franchise, and this is a big year for the franchise because it is the possibly the last year of Drew Brees. I think that's the biggest thing. This is going to be the last year for Drew Brees. I would be surprised if he isn't back if he's back for 2021, largely because of the fact that hey, Drew Brees has a deal with NBC. We talked about it a few weeks ago. He's got that deal in place, and now it's just a matter of time. We're going to see Drew Brees right off into the sunset, and he's going to wind up going over to the booth and have a lot of fun from that aspect. So that's the biggest thing I think everybody's going to be talking about right here, right now, is the future. You built an offensive line for the future. Say, Think about this. Andrus Pete, Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, I think that's that's three guys off the top of my head that could very well be like the future of the offensive line. There's some other guys in there. I think you can set yourself up for a lot of success down the road by having this offensive line. And I I'm telling you, this is gonna be a huge year for the Saints. Also because of the fact I think their offensive line is going to improve markedly. And I think the fact you'll have some guys probably wind up getting released, traded, what have you in the not-too-distant future because I think there's something to be said about the fact that you got guys like Nick Eason, you got Cameron Tom, you've got Andrus Pete, of course, that five-year deal. You've got three centers you could choose from Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, Will Clapp, you got Larry Warford. The list goes on and on and on. Like I can say right here, right now, I'm comfortable seeing a lot of guys ready to go. And, again, let me just kind of give you a heads up. Now we have it in stone once again with Larry Hansgen, Hansgen at 11.15. We're moving him over to 11.15 to talk a little bit of Dayton Flyers football, maybe some basketball as well, because that was a great season for the University of Dayton. 
But this guy, the next George Kittle, according to some, we're going to talk to a guy, the voice of the Dayton Flyers radio network, and that is Larry Hansgen at 11.15. Again, 10.30, we're going to have on Aaron McMahon. We'll talk a little bit about the Saints' first-round pick, Cesar Ruiz. I think there's a lot of positives with this. I wasn't a fan of it to begin with, but I think I'm more than okay with it. It what. I'll say this, it wasn't as bad as what we saw the Patriots do. I legitimately think the dog had something to do with that. The dog made that pick of that like Division II cat. I, the name escapes me off the top of my head. But that guy, I was like, what is going on here? The, the Brady-less Belichick era is definitely going to be fun to watch. And the fact that now, I, I, find, I just find the entire thing hysterical. And then you add the fact that Gronkowski's back. Like the last week of like sports has just given us so much to talk about, and I love it because I'll say this: for a while, it just looked like it was just a barren wasteland where I was just largely kind of rehashing a lot of content. This week was busy. I don't like when I was putting together the rundown. I knew I was going to talk a lot of NFL draft, LSU players, UL players getting drafted. I'll get to those in a little bit, but there's so much more we could talk about. There's so much good. You know what we can talk about. There's so much just going around in the sports world. I can talk about it all day long. But the fact that we are here, and I'm not even going to talk about the last dance. It was great. I just don't necessarily like have a whole lot to talk about it whenever it comes to everything else we can talk about. We talk, we're going to talk about the NFL draft a little bit more, more about the first two days of the NFL draft, winners, losers, who I thought wound up doing extremely well, who I thought just completely whiffed on a lot of stuff, and a whole lot more. But trust me, you need to tune in. We're gonna give you even give you my I'm gonna give you my thoughts on a lot of different things, including LSU and UL players drafted. A little day three preview to start off. Hour number two. And also a lot of interesting stuff kind of popped up over the last week in odds and ends. I'll do that to start off to end hour number one. But again, 10.30, Aaron McMahon talking Michigan football and Cesar Ruiz. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout on the floor. When we come back, we keep the party rolling and talk a little bit about some of those winners and some of those losers in the 2020 NFL Draft. We're back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And I cannot wait for day number three to get started, about 45 minutes time, actually 39 minutes or so, give or take a few, depending on how much hooch your boy Roger Goodell has had, because man, oh man, it just, it gets worse and worse as like the day goes on, because I if you listen to some of the broadcasts that happened on, what was it, Thursday night, first round of the draft, you had him mispronounce Tua Tungavilo's name. Sometimes 
That's just going to happen. But you had at least two years to prepare to call this cat's name. And then next thing you know, you know, later on the draft, Caleb all Chaseau. If he mispronounced Chaseau, I mean, I, I get it because here it's Chaseau. Over there in Texas, it's Chaseau. But Caleb on, like, it's got the apostrophe. You know how to, you know that's going to be going on. Clavon Chaseau is what he said. I was like, I could not stop laughing. The Vegas Raiders going to be hosting the 2020 draft. Like, everything about the first day of the draft was amazingly bad in terms of the in terms of how Goodell was. Most everything else from what I saw, because I was able to kind of just, I've been mainly watching the ABC feed the last couple of days, because I'm just like, you know, just put it on there. I'll have that on as background noise. I'll see the picks well before they pop up on the Twitter, but I'll see that and kind of make some analysis and have a lot of fun just breaking it down. And I, I'm absolutely loving what's going on with the draft. But, you know, I'm going to give you an idea of who I think is really the winner and the loser of it all. And I think the biggest loser, to me at least, has to be the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think a big reason why is because of what they did with their first pick. Because, man, did did they whiff or what? First pick, getting Jalen Rieger. And one of the worst picks of the draft, according to anonymous NFL GMs, is coming from Pro Football Talk. They took him over a guy like Justin Jefferson, a big guy that could wind up working out quite well for this franchise. I, it's a definitely a weird situation. I just I can't stop laughing at the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles went that route with their first round pick, Jalen Rieger over a guy like Justin Jefferson who was wide open right there and everybody was pretty much yelling all from the rooftop telling them, hey, you guys need to pick him. You need to pick this guy. And they passed on him for Jalen Rieger, a shorter guy. I think that it's definitely going to be weird to see that. Hopefully he can kind of make up for his small stature and catch a football because that definitely is something that I think a lot of people weren't a fan of. The Jalen Rieger pick, a wide receiver out of TCU. But I think the one that everybody's been talking about over the last 24 hours, Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma with the second overall pick. Are you kidding me? And here's kind of the conspiracy theory a lot of people have when it comes to this pick. This is going to be the Taysom Hill situation. This is Taysom Hill for the Eagles when it comes to Jalen Hurts. And I'm not going to lie, Jalen Hurts is one hell of a player, but you wound up reaching for this guy when you already have a solid quarterback in Carson Wentz. Yes, he's had some injuries in the past, but at the end of the day, you kind of reached a bit if you want to go more towards that perspective. The only one they really nailed was the third-round pick, Davion Taylor, linebacker out of Colorado. That's a huge need. I, but still, I feel like the good, the bad outweighs the good significantly. Strike that reverse, it bad outweighs the good. I think that's going to be the biggest thing we talk about when it comes to the NFL draft and what the Eagles did. I'm not a fan of what they did, bottom line. I think the Eagles kind of screwed the pooch a little bit because of the fact that they had an underwhelming first-round pick. Their second round pick was just woof. Like, why did you do that? What are you? What are you? That's I'm out of pocket on that. 
what do you gain from having somebody like Jalen Hurts be a true, like, I'd say, Taysom Hill-esque player? Because I think that's where they kind of are leaning when it comes down to it. Meanwhile, the New England Patriots are probably the second biggest loser. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that their second-round pick was the most, like, weird one I've ever heard. Kyle Duggar out of Lenore or, or Lenoir, I have no idea. Lenoir, Ryan, I have no idea to pronounce that school's name. It's Division II school, basically. They got a Division II school jabroni at the second-round pick. Again, I have a theory that the Doggo did that. The Doggo chose that pick for him. And then they got an outside linebacker out of Michigan, Josh Uche. I like that. That's an interesting pick. And then in the third round, they get a real steal in my book. Anthony Jennings out of Alabama, outside linebacker. And then they close it out with a pair of tight ends to replace the Gronkowski situation. They replace Devin Asiasi. And again, I hopefully pronounce these guys' names right. Dalton Keene, both tight ends. Asiasi out of UCLA and Keene out of Virginia Tech. I think that's a great pickup. I think those are strong choices when it comes to the day two of the NFL draft, and they nailed it. They got they had a lot of good stuff out of this one. I think it worked out quite well. Outside of the Lenoir Rhine, I think the other things are going to be interesting. The two tight ends, I don't know a whole lot about, but I think they'll wind up being good the post-Gronk era. But the big question is, where the hell is your quarterback? Are you going to be relying on a guy like Jared Stidham, or are you waiting to try and get Cam Newton or are you trying to be ridiculous, be the, try and be the smartest guy in the room, Bill Belichick, and get a guy like Jameis Winston who's just coming off of eye surgery? Are you going to go that route? Which way Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? I think there's a lot of things that we could talk about right here, right now, when it comes to the Saints, when it comes to the, comes to the Patriots. What are they going to do the rest of the way? Because I don't think there's a true like diamond-in-the-rough quarterback. There's not a Tom Brady in this year's draft. This is not... The nine nine into the two thousands, and we see a guy like Tom Brady there in that sixth round. I don't see it. Maybe he does. I don't know. He gets paid more than I do, so I'm sure he knows what's going on. Big winner for me though has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, they're building a monolith. Another team that's a definitely big winner for me is the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens have low key one of the best like drafts this year. And I'll give you a reason why. Patrick Queen, first-round pick out of LSU. When it comes to linebacker picks in the first round, they're like Omar from the wire. You come in the king, you best not miss. And Patrick Queen is another one of those. We can bring up Ray Lewis, a lot of other guys. I think Patrick Queen is from that same ilk. J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. That's a solid running back. He could do some great things for the Ravens with that stellar offense, but the one I'm most looking forward to, Devin DuVernay and Hollywood Brown on the same roster. Give me that all day long. Give me that stuff all day long. And then they round it out with Malik Harrison and Ty Phillips in that third round. They got a defensive line early in that third, but I think it's all about the 92nd pick, Devin DuVernay. That is a great value pick. I think it's absolutely huge. Another thing I kind of observed as well, the Cleveland Browns love, love, love the LSU Tigers. Because you've got OBJ, Jarvis Landry, you've got Grant Delpit, 
and Jacob Phillips. Those are four right off the top of my head that I can think of from LSU. That's absolutely huge, and I think a lot of fa- people are becoming fans of the Browns because of that. And I got to say, having Greedy Williams and your boy Grant Delpit both in that secondary, DBU in full effect, brother. I can't wait for that. The Chiefs looked did pretty well getting Clyde Edwards a layer. There's a lot of Louisiana flavor in that offense. I think this is going to be a great time. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, pass due for it. When we come back, we'll talk to Aaron McMahon, talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints first-round draft pick, Cesar Ruiz, and maybe some of the other Michigan players that got picked up in the NFL draft. Right after this, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These count to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And hey, welcome back to uh, Under the Dome right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. And also through your free mobile app if you're listening to the show on this day. And I appreciate you tuning in. And right now we're going to get to the game hotline. Talk to Aaron McMahon, part of M Live in the Ann Arbor News. Aaron, what's going on? Good morning. Good to be with you. I appreciate you coming on the program. And, of course, the big reason why we're having you on right here right now is to talk about the Saints' first-round pick, the lone first-round pick, to come from the big house, and we're talking about the Michigan Wolverines. Cesar Ruiz, is it Cesar or Caesar? Caesar. Okay, cool. Caesar Ruiz, yep. the number twenty-four overall pick. At first glance, to me, it just I wasn't I didn't know a whole lot about him, but from what I've heard, this guy's gonna be really good for this franchise. A great add to an already pretty good offensive line, an offensive line that wound up not, not looking so good against really great teams. But what can you say about Ruiz and what he brings to the table? Yeah, there, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's he's a kid. He, he's, he's a real nice kid to talk to. He's down to earth. He's he's really smart. Um, but football's always been in his background. I mean, he, he talks about it often. He started playing at the age of 10, um, and, and he gravitated toward the center position. It's a spot he's always played. He always wanted to play. I think mainly because he always jokes, but kids, you know, growing up didn't want to didn't want to play it. So he was the one that volunteered to play, and he's he's always been a center. I mean, he went to high school. Um, he played down at IMG Academy in Florida, basically a football factory. So he was kind of born and bred to be a football player, and he's he's been successful ever since. I mean, he's a steady, um, reliable guy along the offensive line. Uh, he started 31 games over three seasons at Michigan. He started as a true freshman at right guard. Um, so he's. You know, he's always played football. He's been good at it, and I, I think it was. I, to be honest with you, I thought it was a good pick pickup by the Saints. Yeah, I'm starting to kind of turn around on that as well. Just the way he, the way he presented himself, especially during the introductory press conference, a smart man, and it wound up sounding really good when it comes down to it. How much he's excited about covering a guy like Drew Brees, being the guy that's going to kind of be the key blocker 
and just seeing him, like just hearing about him, like what's going to make him like such an indelible player for this franchise? Because I think he's got he's got that personality side to him. Yeah, he's really mature beyond his years. Really, he's not even twenty one year twenty one years old yet, and he turns twenty one in June. Um, he 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 played three years at Michigan. He decided to leave a year early, but when he you know he first committed and he first showed up in in Ann Arbor, he was only seventeen years old. Um, but they felt enough of him to let him uh, to give him a shot along the offensive line right away. Uh, he started, you know, as a true freshman in 2017. But yeah, just that. I mean, he's he's a real likable character. He's got an interesting backstory. Um, he, he talked about it a little bit the other night. I, you probably saw it. You know, when when the announcement was made, the pick was made. He, he broke down crying on TV. Uh, one of the reasons for that was because of his father. You know, he talks about it openly. Um, he lost his father at the age of eight. Uh, he was, you know, he was changing uh, the tire of a vehicle on the side of a New Jersey highway and he was struck and killed. Um, but football was one of the reasons why, or his father was one of the reasons why he decided to play football. He needed something to do in his life, um, and it's something he carries with, um, you know, daily. So he's a very humble individual. He he, he didn't come from a lot in Camden, New Jersey. Um, he, he talks openly about that as well. So he's he's a real likable guy. He, he's he's got a funny side to him. Uh, players at Michigan loved him. He's one of the more popular players on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I think he'll be a good fit down there in New Orleans. Absolutely. Talk right now with Aaron McMahon, part of MLive.com and also the Ann Arbor News of over in Michigan. And, you know, just looking around at what, they, what they've been able to do so far, the Michigan Wolverines have in the NFL draft. The Patriots took a linebacker in the second round, and he really rose up the draft boards after a pretty decent senior bowl. What do you say about him and how he's going to fit with the Patriots? Yeah, well, Chase is an interesting guy just because, you know, he didn't really get a shot at Michigan up until this past season. He played a little bit in 2018, uh, but last season was when he got to play kind of as an every-down linebacker. Um, you know, Michigan, for the most part, was using him as a specialist, you know, as, a, as an edge rusher, maybe third-down pass rushing situations. He's, re- he's really good at getting into the quarterback. Um, but, you know, he, he really showed showed stuff in January at the Senior Bowl. Um, impressed NFL teams down there, NFL scouts down there, and he's he's kind of rocketed up the boards as of late. Uh, Michigan's you know defense has been one of the top defenses in the country the last couple of years under corner Don Brown, so he's he's kind of come through that system and learned that way of football. But you know he, he's another bright individual, um, real down to earth, uh, good guy, um, and I think he'll fit well with the Patriots. Talk right now with Aaron Aaron McMahon, and you know just looking at what the. Well, just going back to Ruiz for a second, he's a center and a guard, has that flexibility. Which position do you think he winds up excelling in the most? Because I think that's going to be interesting to see which way the Saints put him in this year, especially since the fact that it's going to be a different world. It's not necessarily the same old, same old, where you have rookie mini camps and you have these guys spend some time with the program, and the next thing you know, he's going to be pretty much the first guy in there. And he's going to – like if this were a regular situation – I think he'd be a center, but which way do you think he could wind up be starting in 2020? It's going to, I guess, depend on what Sean Payton wants to do. You know, he spoke openly to reporters the other night that, that you know, Caesar's going to come in and compete. I, I know you guys took a, uh, a a center last year, I think, second round pick. He obviously played very well this past year, so I think Ruiz going to come in and probably try and try and compete with him. And if not, you know, I could I could certainly see him starting at a, you know at a guard spot. He knows the spot well. Um, he and that, that goes back to his football IQ. I mean, he's just a smart guy. He, he, um, you know, he, he's open to playing both spots. He said that before, and he did that at Michigan. Um, it was it was kind of a similar situation when when Caesar first got to Ann Arbor back in back in 2017. Um, we, Michigan had a had an All Pro center or like excuse me, All Big Ten center in Mason Cole. 
Um, Mason ended up going, I think, second round a couple of years ago in the NFL draft. Um, but he, but he, in a way, he, he waited his turn. You know, he was there. Um, he did what the coaches asked him to do. Uh, he played guard, and then he switched over to center and did it flawlessly. He, you know, he, he, he's, you know, Caesar does say he prefers to play center. He prefers to be in charge, I guess, of the offense, and, and you saw that quite a bit this past year. And he, he kind of led the offense and in, in making those distinction, distinctions on defense, what the defenses were throwing at the at the line, at the quarterback, um, and that goes back to his intelligence. I mean, he's able to to read defenses and, and play that center position well. So I think wherever he ends up, he's gonna, he's going to flourish. Um, I, but I think by the end of the, at the end of the day, whether it's this season or next season or a couple years down the road, you're going to see Cesar Ruiz um, as a as a center in the NFL. And you know, looking at looking at day three of the NFL draft with the Michigan players so far, last I checked, only two have been picked up. Who who do you think winds up getting picked up for the Wolverines in day three? I uh, you know I could see up to seven guys going uh, today. Uh, Michigan had eleven combine invites back in February, which was second most, uh, you know, in the country behind Ohio State and LSU. Or they're tied with Ohio State behind LSU. So they have, they have a lot of draft eligible guys. Um, you can see a couple guys go off the board here early on here in day three. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, offensive, another offensive lineman Ben Bredesen. He was a guard. Uh, Michigan's off. Michigan uh, they lost four of their their stars on the offensive line this season. In the NFL. I could see you know potentially all four getting getting drafted at this point. We'll see. Um, but there's so many other guys. I mean, a quarterback Shea Patterson. Uh, the folks down there in Louisiana probably know his name uh, from his days in high school. Um, you know, so there's there's several several guys weighing tight end Sean McCune, quarterback Levert Hill, uh, the younger brother of Lionel Hill, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, so Michigan's got a lot of guys waiting. Uh, you know, so I, I can see. Don't don't be surprised if you're watching the draft boards today and your Michigan's name called called quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised at all, Aaron. One more for you, flipping it over just to a whole different conversation. You're out there covering Michigan football on a daily basis. I mean, what's Jim Harbaugh like, be it, be it press conference or postgame? What is it like covering a guy like Harbaugh? Yeah, I, I get this question quite a bit. Uh, he's one of the more, I think, fascinating coaches in college football. Um, you know, he's, you know, he says what he wants. He gives his opinion, and, and you know, he, that's how he operates. Um, you know, he's he's a very intelligent football coach. I mean, he, he spent a lot of time in the NFL. You know, he's, he's played quarterback at both levels, so I think he understands the nuances. You know, at the college level, um, he's he's highly entertaining. As some of as some of your listeners probably know, when he first got to Michigan back in 2015, there were, it almost seemed like it was a daily story of him going out on the recruiting tra- trail. And creating headlines for some for some reason, whether it was having a sleepover with a recruit or taking a shirt off at a camp or whatever the case may be, a guy knows how to make headlines. Um, he's won a lot of football games here at Michigan, uh, uh, but you know, to be honest with you, you know, the the criticism is starting to heat up here in Ann Arbor. You know, he enters year six this fall. Um, you know, they, they've won a lot of games, but they haven't won haven't won a Big Ten championship. They haven't gotten the college football playoff, uh, and that's what the fans here in Ann Arbor are desperately uh, desperately craving for. Aaron, you know, let's let's flip it over. I want to just get an idea of this. Who's the who is the better quote machine? Is it Jim Harbaugh, or was it you know John Beeline, or new basketball coach for Michigan, Jawan Howard? Yeah, it's definitely uh, Harbaugh, but he, he's very uh, careful about what he says. You know, he doesn't he doesn't give you a you know a great quote every press conference. Sometimes they may come maybe a week or two out. Um, but you know he knows he knows his draws headlines. So he knows the, the right things to say. Beeline was a little bit more uh, drier. You know, I, I didn't cover the college the basketball team a ton, but you know I've been around the last few years and I've been able to watch what he what he says. But he's not as Beeline wasn't as entertaining. Juwan Howard, I think he's he's new. 
uh, when it comes to kind of dealing with the reporters just because he was insistent in the NBA for so long, and those guys don't really have to deal with the press a ton. Uh, but definitely Beeline. I mean, he's de- I mean, excuse me, definitely Harbaugh. You know, he's the most. Um, you know, he's the most popular guy here in Ann Arbor. He, he you know, he, uh, the fans, you know, they, they gravitate toward him. They listen to everything he says. So he's, uh, he's definitely, I think, the, uh, the most interesting quote. What have you been doing to kind of pass the time? Because obviously with, with no sports going on, it's definitely kind of hard to kind of like keep, to keep, keep a routine, if you will. What have you been kind of doing to kind of keep, keep yourself sane? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, Michigan, uh, they, they, the coronavirus thing kind of really hit here in Michigan. You know, Michigan's one of the uh, third or fourth, I think, state in the nation for, for cases and deaths at this point. Uh, but Michigan never got off the ground with practice. They were about ready to start, uh, you know, their spring schedule, and then they had to put a halt on everything. In fact, the, the football team did not even have their their pro day event. I think it was canceled the, the day after everything kind of went down here in Michigan. So it's been a long slog ever since. Um, hasn't been a ton going on. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, in fact, hasn't spoken to the, the beat reporters since. Uh, so it's, it's been a while. But, you know, you find things to do. You know, you try to stay active. You try to get outside. And, you know, you try to find things to write about. You know, luckily the NFL draft was kind of coming up. So, and Michigan had a lot of guys, A, at the Combine, and, and B, kind of preparing for this thing. So it's, it's given stuff to write about. You know, but after the draft, is going to be interesting. You know, as, as we're all kind of waiting for the college football world to start spinning again. Um, you know, it's going to get it's going to get interesting here in the here in the summer. You hope uh, things start to change here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to follow, just with regards to you know, obviously some states have been hit harder than others. You guys have obviously been hit hard down there in Louisiana, New Orleans. Um, you know, so it seems I'm, I'm curious to see how the conferences respond, the NCAA responds. You know, with with it, you know, so so widespread and, and so kind of concentrated at the same time. Do you think we'll have college football this year? That's a, another big question. I I, I want to say yes. Um, you know, I think these schools are going to do everything they can to try and play football this this academic year, this twenty twenty you know twenty twenty one academic year. Whether it happens this fall or not, you know, I, I it's hard to say. Uh, you know, but I will say this: you know, so many of these schools rely on football um, to, to to feed their athletic department budget, and, and here you know, the University of Michigan is no different. You know, but their athletic department brought in almost two hundred million dollars. In, in revenue last year, I'd say about half of that was generated by the football team. So if, you know, if football is not played, you know, this year at, at Michigan, whether it's the fall or it's the spring, um, it's going to have a, it's going to have a huge impact on the athletic department and, you know, folks employed by it and everything else. And you're starting to see it across the country and you're starting to see coaches take pay cuts. Um, you're starting to see athletic departments cut sports and the lesser sports. Um, so it's, it's going to be uh, the next few months. I think will be key in determining whether football, I think, is, is played this fall. Now, you know, we, I've seen that you know, different situations, you know, thrown out, possibly playing in the spring. I guess that's a, that's a possibility too. But if the, you know, football happens to get pushed to the spring, then you know, what happens for next fall? Do you, you take a break and then come back and play another season in the fall, or is football pushed to the spring for the for permanent permanently? So we'll be see, we'll we'll see. You know, we've all never been in this situation before. It's unique for everyone. And I don't I don't think anyone really knows at this point either. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road and, and stay safe out there in Michigan. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. All right, that was Aaron McMahon. You can follow him on Twitter, Aaron McMahon M C M A N N. Not like Vince McMahon. Spelt slightly differently, but absolutely great conversation talking about Caesar Ruiz. I'm gonna have to get used to saying it because I was so used to saying Cesar Ruiz. Now it's Caesar Ruiz, Caesar Salad, as some people have said. I've got a lot of other different names for it, but I will break them down 
at least today because I'm sort of like the guy. I'm sort of turning around on the cat. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to set it off. And I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. I'm going to step away from the NFL draft talk for a brief moment because I've got some thoughts about something else that happened earlier this week. I'll give you my thoughts on it next. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. And welcome back Under the Dome with CD. Wrapping up hour number one in a nice little bow. We got a couple minutes, so I'm going to get to a quick rant here about what happened earlier this week with the Boston Red Sox. If you didn't hear about it, and obviously sometimes these things slip through the cracks, but the Boston Red Sox were punished earlier this week for their sign-stealing, their scandal that also affected the Astros and rocked the foundation of the Astros to their core. But, of course, the major market Boston Red Sox, these jabronis, only got a second-round draft pick and a a team employee who manned the team's video replay view feed. They suspended him for a year. And then, of course, Alex Cora, he's banned for a year. That is literally a slap on the wrist compared to what the Astros got, where practically everybody was wiped from the face of existence. I'm surprised that players weren't suspended for the Astros. But no, whenever it's a major market team like the Boston Red Sox, who only did it in the regular season, according to the report. I get that. I get that. They only did it during the regular season, according to the reports. Surprisingly, they didn't do it whenever they won the World Series the first year when Alex Cora was there after the Astros did it the year before. Tell me there's some, there's got to be some connect to where Alex Cora is that kingpin, is the mob boss when it comes to this. Because he was the one that set all this up. I think he's the one that could be tied to all this. You could have taken him down in a big way. But, of course, Cora decided to step away after all this happened. and It was a mutual separation. Uh, the Carlos Beltran situation as well. But how do you get to this point? Where the Astros continually get the shaft and the, and the Red Sox get away largely scot-free. A second-round draft pick, a team employee suspended for a year, and Alex Cora banned from baseball for a year. Catch me banned from baseball altogether, but I think the fact that the MLB just wants to move away from the sign ceiling scandal, that'll never really go away, shows that they definitely have a lot of favoritism when it comes to these major franchises, these major market franchises. They're... they're Old Guard, the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Heaven forbid you mess with the norm, mess with what they want to project and have the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox continue to be contenders for years to come. But when it's the Houston Astros, you can't have a damn thing. That is upsetting, and I just can't believe that that's where we're at in 2020. And the MLB continues to wonder why they're losing fans. That being said, though, I got to say, I'm looking forward to this afternoon. 
I didn't mention it yet, but we've got a double feature coming up today on Acadiana Sports Station right after this show's done at noon. We're going to a Astros game from all the way back in 2001 when the Astros made the postseason. They got eliminated by the Atlanta Braves, but it's actually a positive thing. The Astros clinched the division game 162, October 7, 2001, and then the wild card game versus the Yankees, the game that they clinched on October 4, 2015, will air that on Sunday. But also don't forget, recrowning the champion starting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So make sure you listen to 103.7 The Game all weekend long. And hour number one is history. It's in the books. And we'll be back. Hour number two, going to start it off talking about some of the LSU and Cajun players to get drafted in the first two days. Day three of the draft about to begin. Back after this on 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game and welcome everyone hour number two of two right here on acadiana sports station 103.7 the game and 103.7 the game.com officially Underway, and we are coming to you live, as always, from the game studios. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit, and space is the place. Oh, yeah, brother. We are back inside the studios, hour number two of two, and I'm just absolutely loving life right about now. Now, I can't help it. That I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long. And I'll tell you this, I am just, I'm loving this Saturday morning, afternoon feel. We got two guests coming aboard the program shortly. Originally scheduled for 10.15, Larry Hansgen. We're going to have him on at 11.15. Some miscommunication, but we got him in. And I can't wait to talk to him. He's the play-by-play voice for the Dayton Flyers. We'll talk to him about the Saints' third-round pick, Adam Troutman. Then we'll also do a lot of Saints talk in-depth with our guy Ross Jackson of uh, the Canal Street Chronicles and the Locked On Saints podcast. Almost said it again, Ross. I know you're probably listening out there. And, hey, if you're listening into the show right now, I've mentioned in the past, and I want to keep this going because, of course, after next week, things are going to change with what's going on, the stay-at-home order. A lot of people are going to be wearing masks. Luckily, I got my luchador masks ready to roll whenever they whenever they tell us that we have to start wearing them at all times. I'll make sure the second I get into the game studios, I put on the lucha mask, and we're good to go for the shows this afternoon and going forward. But hopefully, you're staying safe out there. And if you're listening in right now, let me know how you're listening in. And you can do that a number of different ways. The, the best way to do that is is to hit me up on Twitter at Clint Doming. Take a pic 
or you just tweet at me how you're listening in, be it through the mobile app, if you're hitting up the smart speakers, telling it to play 103.7 the game. If you're in a rate, if you're near radio, take a picture of that. You know, tell me how you're listening in. That way, I know you're one. You're listening in, and two, how you're listening. And I'll retweet it. Clint Doming, C L I N T D O M I N G U E. Hit me up over there. Also, tag 103.7 the game in there while you're at it because I want to know how you're listening in to Acadiana Sports Station on this Saturday. And how you do it in general, because I think this is kind of, I've always mentioned this before in the past, is that Saturday mornings are the most interesting time in radio. Because not every, is typically you think about it, you've got your posts, you have your benchmarks when it comes to sports radio. And I'm going a little inside baseball. You have your drive time in the morning, your mid-afternoons, right after lunch, where people are going to be kind of piling in. And then your drive home. Like Bumper to Bumper Sports with Ben Love every Monday through Friday, 4 to 7. 4 to 6 sometimes during when we got Tiger Rag and all that other stuff going on. So you've got to set up a place. You know your benchmarks. Saturday morning is a little bit different. Saturday program, weekend programming in general, you get a lot of people running in, running out, coming back, coming back in, coming back out. Just let me know how you're listening in by tweeting at me at Clint Doming right now on the game, or call me up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Be part of the inter- interactivity, because this will be one of the last chances to do so on this show today, because I've got two guests, Ross Jackson at 1130, and I'll leave enough time for one final take, as I do each and every Saturday. But outside that, it'll largely be me and a couple guests. So this is your last chance to get in on the conversation but I want to start off the hour looking at the LSU Tigers and the Cajuns, or the lone Cajun, I should say, that has been drafted through the first two days. I'm going to go through it relatively quickly because I want to. I don't want to waste too much time just doing a deep dive in all these guys because you know all these guys. You know what's going on. But more importantly, how are these teams looking after what they've did, done in the draft? I talked about the Bengals being one of the big winners, and a big reason why I think is Joe Burrow. Joey football continues to have his like legacy rise to another level. And I think with Joe Burrow being with the Cincinnati Bengals with the number one overall pick is absolutely huge. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen next with the former Ohio State Buckeye turned LSU Tiger Heisman Trophy winner. What's going to happen with him? And I'll say this. I mentioned on Twitter. Within three years, he makes his team an AFC North contender. And in five... I think they make a run, make a deep run of the playoffs. And I think the bigger season why is because Joe Burrow has a lot of weapons around him, and he can build around that. Make this is a contract year for AJ Green. They got a decent wide receiver in the second round to complement that. You've got a lot of good talent around him in the offensive line. You got a great defense or great offensive setup. I love it, but I'm just loving it, and I absolutely like that pick. It was the right pick to make. For the future of this franchise, Clavon Chason or Clavon Chason, as my your boy Roger Dell said, with the twentieth overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Duval is stepping their game up defensively with this draft, and getting a guy like Chason is the step in that direction. I can't wait to see what he does with that franchise. They're still rebuilding. Don't be surprised if they continue to kind of be in that in that tank window. Let's just call it a tank window, and we see what happens with them down the road. Justin Jefferson, new man on the Minnesota Vikings, 22nd overall. Looked like a mini run on 
players from LSU. And this is absolutely huge. It's a great pickup post-Stephon Diggs era. This is something huge for Kirk Cousins. He can have a monster of a pick. Looking forward to seeing that. And right now the Bengals are selecting to open up round numero cuatro. That's number four for those who speak English. And Akeem Davis-Gaither, the first one out of Appalachian State linebacker. That's a pretty decent one as well. I I think many Cajun fans are more than glad to see him and Darrington Evans gone from that program because that's where those guys were just a pain in the backside. Showing some highlights of App State in those yellow unis. Just I've seen those as give me PTSD almost. Patrick Queen, 28th overall to the Baltimore Ravens. He could very well be a guy like a Ray Lewis, like Bullware, a lot of other great talents. This team never really misses when it comes to picking linebackers in the first round. It's also from Warren Sharp of Sharp Football. He mentioned this. I'm going to try and get him on in the next couple weeks because I'll tell you this. He is a football brainiac. And then rounding out round number one, Kansas City Chiefs take Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the self-appointed chosen one from LSU going to Kansas City. And I cannot wait to see what he does and what he brings to the table at Kansas City, a lot of Louisiana flavor in that grouping. Of course, Eli McGuire is still with that franchise. I know you mentioned something about big news on the horizon, but maybe he could still be part of that franchise. We shall see. And then round two started off with Grant Delpit going to the Cleveland Browns. Yet, I said it earlier, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and Jacob Phillips. We'll get to him and we'll add him in here. Why not? Jacob Phillips was the last pick from LSU in round three, and I love having f- like five LSU guys just off the top of my head that are with Cleveland. The LSU North is absolutely real there. I can't wait to see what they do going forward. They wound up getting a hell of a talent. Looking forward to seeing what they do with him. Christian Fulton going to the Tennessee Titans, 61 overall. I think that's an absolute steal. Christian Fulton, I think a lot of it had to do with kind of the, the drug test and all that stuff, kind of like diluting a little bit of his draft stock. And it made you kind of scratch your head wondering why that was what it was. But I absolutely love the pick when it comes down to it. Christian Fulton going to be absolutely huge pick for the Tennessee Titans. And then we go over to the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll looking at a guy that his head coach was former assistant coach for Carroll and we're talking about Damian Lewis going to the Seattle Seahawks with a pretty nice pick pick number 69 nice 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 yes number 69 overall Damian Lewis a really great pick to say the least I I absolutely love that pick. It's a definitely a big win for that franchise. I think this is going to be a great pickup for them down the line. Hopefully we see something huge happen down the line with him. And it's a great offensive lineman pick. I think it's going to help out your boy Russell Wilson, help him not have as much pressure on him because you know he loves to be dual threat. I think having a guy like that could be absolutely like tremendous for his future and I'm just again I'm just looking forward to it in general hopefully you're just loving what's going on with the with what's going on with this franchise and I'm I think I'm loving it too because everything is just setting up 
quite nicely for the Seattle Seahawks. Getting a guy like that at 69 overall is absolutely huge. And then I think this one was almost too fitting when it comes down to it to see who got picked 83rd overall by the Denver Broncos, and that is Lloyd Cushenberry. This Kush. Yes, Lloyd Cushenberry picked number 83 overall. Cush going to the Mile High City, and emphasis on that these days over there in Denver. The final pick, again, Jacob Phillips to the Cleveland Browns is a great, dare I say, absolute steal of a player. I think this is going to be a big win for the franchise, and they've got some great futures set up for, for a lot of these guys. And the fact that they've got a young secondary, and now they've got a younger younger guy at that second level, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with them down the line. They're a team that's going to be, like, in the next couple years, I think they could be an AFC North contender. That North division is absolutely brutal right now because you got the Bengals, you got the Browns, you got the Steelers, and you've got the Baltimore Ravens towards the top of that list. I have to say, going to be a lot of fun to see what happens there. Sadiq Charles just got picked up. That's number 11 of the NFL draft. That's number 11th LSU Tiger. He got selected 108th overall in round number four by the Washington Redskins. Second pick of the fourth round. So can't wait to see what Sadiq Charles does with that franchise. And interestingly enough, before we kind of hit a break, I'm going to pull this up from Cocho earlier this week talking about the former LSU, now former LSU Tiger offensive lineman. Because Cocho had a press conference. And my God, Zoom teleconferences are interesting to say the least. I'm going to get to one thought about that before we go come back, before we go to break. And I'm going to try and find this. The Charles clip. There we go. Obviously, battle some off the field problems. Uh, that's documented. Uh, hopefully, he has learned his lesson. Myself, personally, I think he should have stayed. And he'd have probably been a first or second round pick uh, next year. So, but you know, he made the decision. There's a lot of people that are calling me about him. Sadiq is a good young man. And, uh, obviously, like us all, he had some character flaws that, uh, he had to straighten up in his life. And hopefully he did it. And hopefully he can prove to the NFL that he can go out there and on a consistent basis do the right thing. And if he does that, I think he's gonna have a great career. I'm looking forward to that. And you know, <laughs> you know, Daniel Jeremiah apparently is saying that, saying some stuff, and seems to know. According to James Moran, smartest Moran on Twitter, he seems to know what Ed Ogeron meant by coach's decision replying to Sadiq Charles. It's a great one. Great way to start off day number three. Can LSU get to 15? Well, they've only got four more left to get to that magic number, and you can just keep ringing that bell. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Oh, wait, one more thing before we hit a break, and that is Raging Cajuns Robert Hunt selecting the second round of the NFL Draft, 39th overall. Absolutely great pick. The offensive line of Tuatunga Vialoa is going to be bolstered by the big man. But again, we'll take a quick timeout. Coming back, we got Larry Hangsgen coming back. We'll talk to him about the Dayton Flyers tight end, Adam Troutman, what he brings to the table, and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Back after this.
famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live, as always, from the game studios. And right now, we're going to go over to the game hotline with some quickness to get on the play-by-play voice for the Dayton Flyers radio network. To get a little conversation going about Adam Troutman, the tight end out of Dayton, who's joining the New Orleans Saints as a third-round draft pick. Larry, how's it going? Good, good, uh, good to be with you guys on this uh, Saturday morning. And uh, let me tell you, uh, people in Dayton, Ohio, are fast becoming New Orleans Saints fans. I can about imagine definitely becoming New Orleans Saints fans. I think the entire state of Ohio is starting to become fans of every program in Louisiana. You look at Cleveland with several LSU players on that roster. Cincinnati just got Joe Burrow, former LSU Tiger. I think Louisiana and Ohio are definitely becoming big fans of each other. Yeah, that's right. We we are we have found a common bond, and that bond is football. <laughs> just as everybody else, I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing what this man, Adam Troutman, brings to the table 6'5". And according to some of the stuff I've been reading, people think he can very well be the next George Kittle, and you were able to kind of be firsthand and see and call a lot of the big plays. What do you? What can you say about Adam Troutman, what he brings to the table? Well, there's there's a lot of things. I mean, this was a guy who came here as a quarterback, and uh, at the end of August camp, his freshman year, he went to the offensive coordinator and says, hey, I want to switch positions. Uh, and so the, he goes, I think I could be a tight end. So they said, okay. And he, he ran a route, dove, caught a ball that was uncatchable. And they said, okay, um, but let's put a different number on you. And that year he was a, a red shirt and he was the um, scout team player of the year. And the coaches told me, uh, they said, man, we got a guy next year that's going to be playing tight end, although we're going to put him all over the field because he catches everything. And I showed up in one of the practices in August then as he's getting ready for what would be his sophomore year, his playing freshman year, and um, looked good in drills. But what impressed me is at the end of every drill, he won every sprint. And not because he was the fastest, and his speed is good. Okay, don't get me wrong, he's not slow. But he just ran hard. He ran harder than anyone. And it wasn't that... uh you know, fake Charlie hustle, you know, that you see some guys do to, that, that try to make everything look difficult so that they look good. It's just how he's built. It's just how he's wired to just go one speed and that's all out. And, um, you know, and then he just, he just did that uh, throughout his career. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll remember a lot about him is, is the one handed catches he made. And these were, you know, he had a lot of the typical one handed catches you'll see where, you know, he's got that big frame, and he just reaches out and gets a paw on it and then brings it into his body. Uh, and he's had several of those. Um, he's the all-time career leader in receptions and touchdowns and all that stuff. But his junior year, we're playing a game out in San Diego, and he made a true one-handed catch in that he runs a little drag route across the back of the end zone uh, and a little opening behind the DB, in front of the DB. Quarterback throws it out on a line, and he stretches out, and he just catches it like a baseball. Boom, one hand. And, uh, I mean, I, the, the San Diego defense kind of stopped, and they were stunned. They said, like, wait a second, how did that happen? Um, so, I mean, I, I could go on and on about 
you know, character off the chart, work ethic off the chart. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that last year, in the first time in the history of the program, was a unanimous team captain. Every single player, some 110 players, all voted for him to be a captain. I could, and I could about imagine that's absolutely huge for the Saints to have that kind of team leader at it along with a lot of the other guys they have. I think this is going to be great to kind of continue to add to the culture that I think Sean Payton has definitely kind of established over the last few years after some bad eggs here and there, Brandon Browner, Junior Gallette, the list can go on and on. But when it comes to just the overall kind of ability, where do you see him being more? Do you see him more as a run blocker, or could you see him be another great target for one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game in Drew Brees? Well, if they don't look to throw him the ball, they're crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, you know, and he. You know he can catch. He can catch the ball. He can catch the football. Um, he'll have to get better at running routes, be more precise. Because to be quite honest with you, he didn't have to run precise routes. He was going to be better than any DB. You know, a lot of times quarterbacks could just throw it his direction, and you know he'd go get it. Um, so he'll have to get better at running routes. But he's got the ability to get better. He's got both the work ethic and the mindset, uh, the ability to learn and learn quickly. Um, so that's that's going to be, and there were some questions heading into the Senior Bowl about you know could he block? Because to be honest with you, um, he was blocking inferior athletes uh, almost all the time during his college playing career. But he went down to the Senior Bowl, and I'm not going to name names, but there were two SEC players that he just put on their back. Um, so he's you know there again. Technique, probably he's got uh, some some learning to do there from blocking technique, uh, running routes more uh, precisely, but he's got that ability to learn and get better. Talking right now with Larry Hansgen right now on the game hotline and flipping it over to basketball for a moment. I think obviously everybody is talking about Dayton because of what they were able to do this past season in basketball and obviously the NCAA tournament canceled. Like, How disappointing is that to not see that that fantastic team not get a proper ending. You had to bring it up, didn't you? You had to bring <laughs> it up. Huh? Well, I mean, it's definitely something we need to talk about, right? Well, I mean, it's it's it, it's it's very very it's very very hard to it's a, it's a bitter pill to swallow because uh, the what ifs will hang around maybe forever. I mean, as long as uh, I'm around, maybe on my deathbed, I'll I'll be thinking, well, what could that team have done back there in 2020? Um, the, 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 the one, and it is such a small consolation is that, um, the final home game of the regular, the final regular season game, it was at home. Um, they opted to go ahead and at the end of the game, cut down the nets as Atlantic 10 champions, 18 and 0 in the league. Uh, they cut down the nets. They, the seniors spoke to the crowd. Uh, Coach Grant spoke to the crowd and, and it, it had a, for lack of a better term, a, a one shining moment feel to it. Although everyone at the time, myself included, thought, well, there's going to be a lot more shining moments ahead. But at least they had that. At least they had that. They did kind of put a bow around what was an incredible year. And, you know, Larry, you know, flipping back over to the football side of things, we brought it up earlier, first time in 40 plus years that a Dayton player was selected. Heading into the draft, did anybody really expect to see somebody get drafted in this year's class? 
Um, well, at, I mean, Adam was he was on everyone's radar last year as a junior, um, and and part of that was that he he got a lot of attention. And then uh, Dayton had a punter last year, Sean Smith, who uh, you know, and, and and kicking obviously is one of those things that 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 can translate to any level because it doesn't matter. Your competition really doesn't matter, you know, and and size doesn't really matter. Um, and and Sean, you, you can kick the ball, or you can't, and so. Um, he was in the Ravens camp. He ended up being on the Giants practice squad. Well, he got a lot of attention, and so scouts were already showing up for him, and then they're like, wait, ooh, look at that tight end. You know, what's his story? And then um, by the time the season began in the fall, uh, all 32 teams had, had been on campus for a practice and a chance to, to talk to Adam and talk to, to the coaches. Larry, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Stay safe out there in Ohio. All right. You guys are going to enjoy the heck out of him. Okay? Who dat? Who dat indeed. Thank you very much. Man, Larry Hands get absolutely fantastic conversation. Wish it could have gone a little bit longer, but I've got some other great stuff to get to. Our number two stacked with guests. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, and we'll get to one of my boys, the, the man himself, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. I think that's the way I'm going to call it going forward just to make it easier on myself. We're going to go ahead to take that time out right now. Be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. The numbers don't lie, and they all point towards the 504, and we're talking about those New Orleans Saints, like we've been doing all show long, getting to know some of the players that have been joining the team as part of the NFL draft from people who have covered them and followed them. I can't wait to talk to our guy, Ross Jackson, just to kind of break it down in a little bit more of a Saints sense of things rather than, oh, hey, what kind of player are they? We're going to talk about it right now. He's on the game hotline, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. What's going on, man? Hey, brother, doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Very exciting that the draft is here and, uh, you know, into, into day three at this point. So very excited to be here, man. Thanks as always for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. And thankfully, also, the Saints traded all their picks. So now, like, we don't have to be, like, <laughs> like, like, like biting our finger. Because you know, like, we'd be pretty much doing this interview. And, like, in five minutes, we'd probably get the Saints pick. And we'd have to like do an instant right. reaction live on air. It'd be great, <laughs> but man, I just I just wish I'm kind of glad it, it, it's not the case this year. They're like, you know, what? we're just going to do two days on the year when there's no jazz fest for folks like Larry Holder to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I thought that was the best part of it <laughs> so all. Good. He's tweeting. I was like, so tomorrow we could go to jazz fest. Damn it! Oh wait. <laughs> So good. Oh man, yeah. No, I mean, I, I do, I do kind of appreciate a little bit of a, a relaxation uh, here at this point because I think a lot of people have been working very, very hard over these last two days, and uh, certainly for good reason because the Saints uh, really, you know, making their moves and getting their guys here. 
All right, you you know you know I t- texted you this like right after it happened. The Cesar <laughs> the, the Caesar Ruiz thing, like I was not a fan of it at first, but I think you talked me off the ledge a bit. And for those who maybe are still on that ledge and not sure which way to lean on this, why don't you give them a reason why they, they should be a fan of him, a Caesar Ruiz out of Michigan? Yeah, yeah. So Caesar Ruiz, um, my thing that I like to, that I usually try to like lead this off with is that when you think about the things that held up the Saints in the playoffs last year, you can certainly look at uh, wide receiver, um, linebacker. Not as big of an issue for them in the playoffs, uh, even though that they were working with a little bit more of a hampered linebacker unit. But you could see it more so. You saw the linebacker uh, uh, issue really translate more in the San Francisco game at home. That was really where you saw that. But the big thing when it came to the Saints offense here. Is that uh, it, it was the interior defense? I'm oh, sorry, interior offensive line pressure. You saw Denell Hunter and Everson Griffin get moved in on the inside, and then really take advantage of the Saints' weak point on the offensive line, which had become the interior. And so you get a guy like Caesar Ruiz, who ends up serving a really high purpose very quickly for the Saints. And a lot of people say that this isn't a win now move, but also it kind of is because you need that type of depth that you can rely on, very intelligent, very smart guy, very good in the passing game, getting much better in the run game, fantastic puller, really mobile, can get to the outside and help open up some of those outside runs with the healthy, with the healthy Alvin Kamara. But even if he doesn't see the field early on in the season, which I don't really know if that's really going to be the case. I think he could see the field this year. And even if that is the case, though, even if he's not seen in the first week, you could see him later on in the season because of injuries on the interior with Larry Warford or with Andrus Pete, um, depending upon you know what goes on in terms of the health of those guys, now you have a we have far less of a drop off to where you're having to move offensive linemen around, shuffle them around a bit. Even if Teron Armstead gets hurt, this helps because now you have more interior depth there and you can move Andrus Pete out to left tackle. So this is a really solid move for the Saints and they got a super, super smart guy that can take over at center for the future and be a little bit more of that max hunger level of intelligence because that's where this guy is in terms of his film study, his diagnosis, and, and his checks and his calls. He's really, really good. He's a fantastic leader for an offensive line, and that's going to be really important post-Drew Brees, but he can still be really important while Drew Brees is still in the building for depth late in the season and the playoffs. I'd have to wholeheartedly agree with you, Rawls. I think he's going to be one heck of a talent, and he's going to be also a great mind to be that center but do you think he winds up being the center in 2020, or could that be in 2021 and McCoy still holds that role, largely because of the fact of how like weird this year's like mini, like this year's training camp is going to be? The Saints aren't even going to bother having like voluntary workouts to where they're saying to show up in the best shape of your life. We'll get to that in a little bit. But looking at his, his immediate future in 2020, will he be more of a guard, or could he take over that spot from Eric McCoy like right away? Yeah, I think it's. I think training camp. If if the actual training camp portion come July begins and actually operates the way that we hope that it will, uh, which would be very good news for a lot of us, um, then that would mean that Larry Warford should get his opportunity to compete for the right guard spot. But you asked a really interesting point: Is Caesar Ruiz his competition at right guard, or does Eric McCoy become his his uh, competition at right guard? And I would venture to say that Eric McCoy more so becomes his. Uh, becomes this competition there. The Saints have been very open over the last couple of months, actually, pretty much since the combine, 
about how disappointed they were and how concerned they were with the drop-off in production from Larry Warford last year at the right guard position and have openly mentioned that moving Eric McCoy to right guard is absolutely a possibility. So it seems to me that they're not married to him at the center position, especially when you have a, uh, a, a young guy that's going to come in and be all those things that we just talked about, particularly a smart player at the center position that could be a leader there in Cesar Ruiz. You can move Cesar Ruiz into center and then have Eric McCoy take over that right guard position if Larry Warford can't win it in camp. That's the scenario to where, where you can see it happening in uh, 2020. But if Larry Warford can hold on to his spot, then the Saints have really quality depth, likely continue to roll with the same offensive line they had last year. And then Cesar Ruiz is ready in case anything happens to any of those interior guys. You know, I think the next question we'd ask Ross, talking right now, Ross Jackson, from a Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles, is what was your like level of surprise to see the Saints go offensive line versus addressing a defensive knee? We saw Patrick Queen get picked up a few picks later from the Baltimore Ravens, and we see a lot of these guys that were still there. A lot of these best available situation, they kind of they kind of threw a curveball to us in round in round one. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I was I was actually very surprised. I liked the Caesar Ruiz pick. Don't get me wrong, but it's you know it was not the pick that I was expecting. And in all honesty and in all transparency, it's not the pick that I was hoping for. I was hoping that Patrick Queen would be the guy who was there. The Chargers had just traded up one pick ahead at twenty three with the uh, with the pa- uh, Patriots to grab Kenneth Murray before the Saints could get on the board. Don't know if Kenneth Murray was actually a viable target for them. It didn't sound like they were actually interested in him. It sounded like they were more interested in Javon Kinlaw, who ended up going to uh, who ended up going to San Francisco, and then AJ Terrell, the corner, that ended up actually going to Atlanta, which I'm perfectly fine with. And so, for the Saints, they were able to get the, the guy that they wanted, who was at the top of their board, which just goes to show you how differently those boards shake out within the NFL, as opposed to, you know, for those of us watching from the outside. And so, um, it, it was a surprise pick for me. It was very much a surprise. I love that Patrick Queen still got to go to Baltimore. I know he really liked Baltimore as a landing spot. Everything that you know, he would have loved to have seen him in the black and gold, and would have loved to have kept him in Louisiana. But speaking of linebackers, Rawls, we saw the Saints trade up twice in the third round. The first one was with the Cleveland Browns. We gave up a third-round 2021 pick as well, along with that original third-round pick, to pick up Zach Bond out of the University of Wisconsin. How surprised were you to see the Saints not just trade up in the third round, but kind of stay out of that second round? That was a big surprise for me. Yeah, I, I kind of expected the Saints to be able to get into the second round around the 50 or 60 range. I know that there was a lot of news flying around, Ian Rapport, Diana Rossini, all those people talking about the Saints potentially moving up within into the top of the second round. I knew that that price would be very, very steep for the Saints and unlikely to, to really be able to get into that range. But that, 30, that 50 to 60 range is kind of what I was looking for. And then it didn't happen. But I was watching these linebackers really start to continue to tumble down the board. I think only Logan Wilson ended up going off the board and uh, maybe one other linebacker. Then you had Jeremy Chin go to Carolina, who's a little bit of a linebacker uh, safety hybrid more than anything. And so I was also watching the linebackers not come off the board, and I was thinking, well, wow, the Saints aren't going to have to move this far to go up and get whoever this linebacker is that they want. And that ended up being the case. They only had to move up 14 spots, and they really don't give up anything because they give up that 88 to swap, but they give up a third-round pick in 2021. They're going to have an additional third-round selection very likely in 2021 because of the compensatory pick that they'll get back for Teddy Bridgewater signing with Carolina. So with that being the case, the Saints don't really give up too much to be able to move up and go and get their guy, and it happened to be that the guy was Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. How great was it the fact that um, uh, you had your boy Sean Payton kind of calling a shot and trading with the Cleveland Browns 
on Twitter saying in exchange for Kay Adams' arm, a hand, I should say. <laughs> I found that absolutely hysterical. <laughs> that was really good. I love that. You know, he, he does have a fiance now. You know, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I guess you got to keep the markets open. <laughs> yeah, just just tr- just trading uh, reporter's arm alongside of the, with, the, with the third round pick to get to get Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. But I have to I have to think that is probably one of the most like value picks. It addresses a need, and he's going to be one hell of a player. I think. Do you think he winds up starting like year one? I think he can. I mean, there's a wide open position for him there, especially with what the uh, sort of the way that. Uh, Sean Payton talked about him yesterday where they were talking about what his fit is, and they mentioned him as being a Mike or a Sam linebacker. And that's a really good good fit for Zach Bond. If he can improve in the coverage game, which we saw him start to do, uh, particularly at the Senior Bowl, where the Saints did meet with him and did spend time with him, that's kind of the common thread with all three of these guys, not necessarily the Senior Bowl, but just in terms of the amount of information that they had on them. These are three guys that they have had a lot of information on two of them because they participated in the Senior Bowl where the Saints were visiting. And so this was something that I uh, had heard a little bit about in terms of their interest in Zach Bond, but I always looked at Zach Bond as being a bottom-of-the-first-round, top-of-the-second-round edge rusher, which to me wasn't a good fit for him in the NFL at six foot two, two 239 pounds. So I was always a little bit down on him from the edge rusher perspective, but once you select him and then say, yeah, our intent is to play him at Mike or Sam and allow him to get involved in the coverage game and the run game, now you're talking. And I think that that's exactly where he ends up fitting. He essentially can come in his first year and take over the A.J. Klein role uh, that A.J. Klein ended up having to where he was very much in, in the run game, very much involved in, in coverage, and every now and then worked as a blitzer. If you put him in that kind of a role and you take advantage of all of his talents and his athleticism, then you absolutely get a, a steal there at 74. And then there's a potential for him to stay on the field if he can really improve in coverage and show that stay on the field in those nickel packages and passing downs as well. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Canal Street Chronicles, and the Locked On Saints podcast. I think we need to talk about him on the other third round pick where they gave up everything else to go get a guy <laughs> from Dayton, the first ever Dayton player to be picked in over 40 years. Just got off the phone with him, uh, the play by play voice. Absolutely loves it. The state of Ohio. I think I was saying this to him earlier. Are Ohio and Louisiana now just best friends? Yeah, that's exactly right. They're they're uh, they're that scene in Step Brothers. Like <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna do karate friends. in the backyard. <laughs> that's exactly right. They made room for activities. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's really fantastic. Like you're watching it go from you know Louisiana to Ohio when you see all the all the uh, LSU players heading to uh, heading to Cincinnati and Cleveland. You're seeing a lot of that. You know, of course that we were lucky enough to get to see Joe Burrow here from. Uh, Ohio as well, and you've seen it Thank over the God. past few years. I mean, Cleveland, yes, right? Uh, Cleveland is basically just LSU North, the way that uh, New Orleans, well, yeah, I guess the way, since the way that uh, New Orleans has been sort of OSU South in a way, uh, but now they also bring in a guy from Dayton as well, and I, I love it. I like this pick a lot for the Saints. It feels very, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it feels very familiar. I mean, wouldn't you say it's kind of like almost like a Josh Hill-esque pick? I mean, I look at it a little bit more in the vein of, and he's, I don't know if he's going to turn into this, so don't get me too wrong here, but I look at it as a, a, a pick in the mold of Jimmy Graham. This is a guy that they, tra- they, you know, that, they, that they selected in the third round, just like Jimmy Graham, 
former basketball athlete, six foot five, 250 pounds. They're going to try to bulk him up to around the 260, 265 range and really get him to working in sort of a true wide but then really utilizing him in the passing game where he is absolutely at his best. He only had 916 receiving yards, quote-unquote, only had 916 uh, receiving yards last year with Dayton, but also piled on 14 touchdowns. He's a big guy, big-time presence, uh, my ball kind of an attitude for sure, and he's got a really expanded route tree for a guy running from his position, which is really going to put him in, the, in that conversation of being too athletic for linebackers, being too big for defensive backs, which you feel very familiar the Saints fans. So this is a really, really good pick. Oh, and he gets really involved in the pass in the in uh, the blocking game as well. He's not afraid to get involved there, which does separate him a little bit from uh, Jimmy Graham for me. And so you can sort of see him. And let's say that you know Jerry Cook finishes out his deal here, and then he's done, or he ends up signing somewhere else. You can really see him stepping into that mold pretty quickly and being that guy at the future for tight end if they can continue to develop his uh, his skill set over his transition from a smaller school and into the NFL, which the Saints haven't had much trouble doing before in the past. So what you're saying is that this new guy can actually block and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham never blocked. That was the one thing that kind of just always frustrated me. That's right. That was not a part of Jimmy Graham's game, and it was not a part of what – and it was certainly a consideration when the Saints traded him while he was flying an airplane. And so uh, I do think that uh, in this instance, uh, the Dayton Flyer uh, does actually have a really good opportunity to stick in New Orleans here. And, you know, let's let's kind of just give an overall grade of what the Saints did in the 2020 draft with only three picks, going a lot more quality over quantity. What's, what's your grade for the Saints draft? Of course, right here, right now, because who knows what they could wind up doing the rest of the draft. They could wind up trading back into the draft somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They certainly can, and especially if they end up finding a market for a guy like Larry Warford there publicly low on uh, so you know you can see what happens there but certainly an opportunity for them to trade in but if i had to give it but to give it a grade right now i would go with a solid b b plus i'm right in between there uh and the reason why i go there is only is, is not to say that it's not an a draft my thing with it i think that that's still a very solid grade and my only thing with it is that they can move this into that sort of a minus a territory based upon what we see from Zach Bond and his development, how soon we see Cesar Ruiz and how truly effective he is at his position, which I have the utmost confidence in him. And then, of course, you know, we'll see sort of in the long term how uh, Troutman develops. But his, his selection on potential is really what factors most in my grade as his final as him being the final selection, but really seeing where they find a way to fit Zach Vaughn in and develop him, that's going to be a big part of what this draft grade is going to be for me moving forward. All right, lighter side, Ross, before we get out of here. We talked about it on Twitter the other day. Favorite community episode? Oh, I mean, the, the, the multiverse or the multiple timeline episode is really, really, really good. I'm trying to think if another one pops to mind. I need, I'm going to start rewatching the series tomorrow. I want to get to the NFL draft, and I'm super excited to get through it. Yeah, I'll go with the multiple timelines episode. Uh, I, I love that one a lot. Um, and it, I think that it has some of the most quotable moments as well in the series come from uh, that that section of, the, of that season. I really, really like that episode. It's really great. Remedial Chaos Theory is just a fantastic episode. I can just, it, it was probably one of those episodes like season three was that it was, was when community was at its absolute best. And then talking about the darkest timeline, which honestly I feel like we're kind of in right now. Just the way, right. the way right. the world is right now, it feels like we are in the darkest timeline. Hopefully before long we can figure out a way to get Abed to catch the die and the, we can get to the prime timeline. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that was very much peak community for me. And uh, I think that that's the one that jumps to mind first. So I'll select that one definitely as my favorite. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down. We'll talk to you down the road because right now it's like I would talk to you before rookie minicamps. camps. We don't have that. Saints are asking people to show up in the best shape possible. So, come July, I want you to be in the best radio talking shape of your life. That's going to be the goal. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to talk for six hours a day, ready to go by the time that I have back on the show. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to come in with one of those traditional radio voices. Everything. It's going to be. It's going to be something else. All right, Ross. Talk, talk to you down the road, brother. Absolutely, man. You take care. All right, Ross Jackson. Almost said it again. Canal Street Chronicles and Locked on Saints podcast. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, wrap up the show, one last take, and then we're done. Then we're going to take it to Astros Baseball, an old school game from 01, and then after that, LSU Texas recrowning the champion, baby. Back after this. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. And, of course, we got to start off looking with this last take at the NFL draft as a whole and how this whole thing was put together. Kudos! To the Four Letter Network for getting this whole thing together because they just deserve all the love for putting this all together. The broadcast has worked relatively seamlessly. And then you got Drew Brees. Oh, boy. Uh, excuse me, Drew Brees. Roger Goodell. What am I talking about? I'm losing my mind. Roger Goodell. My goodness. He deserves a lot of credit as well. We don't normally give it to him, but, man, he is absolutely insane in the membrane because it's like just seeing him he's becoming a drunk uncle before he knew it and it was great just to see him like embrace the meme of the, the booing of the commission and doing it for a great cause and then you see him on on the television screen saying come on guys and doing the skull clap and trying to pump up the crowd from a tell on it's on a television screen it's kind of funny to me and I couldn't stop laughing at it. And honestly, I'm sure you at home have probably laughed at that many a times. Because it's just, it's almost like sad, you know? It's sad just to see a man in that kind of state of affairs. But that's about all we got for today's show. We'll talk to you next week. We'll probably get somebody, some other people on to kind of get an idea of what else happened in the draft. Who knows what direction this show is going to go. Sometimes even I don't know. We'll see what happens starting next Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon. Now we're going to take it to an Astros classic, LSU Tigers recrowning the champion. After that, you've been listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.